Do you remember that notion that a glass of wine a day was actually good for your health? Maybe you heard it from your parents or read it in a magazine, saw it on the TV, or maybe you've seen it emblazoned on one of those mugs in Target in the Live, Laugh, Love section. Maybe a bit niche, but <laughs> I'm sure you know. Well, that myth was debunked years ago. The mood du jour is that really, no amount of alcohol is safe. Feel old yet? But let's have a little bit of perspective here, okay? Alcohol is literally poison. Stick with me. Alcohol even tastes like poison. Our involuntary reaction to a shot of vodka is to spit it out, throw it back up, gag. Now, that same reaction occurs if we accidentally swallow bleach. We could be applauding the person who chokes on their Jamison shot for their body's incredible defense mechanism to literal poison. But here in Australia, we see that kind of thing as a personal failing. My theory is that it's because we've worked so hard to enhance and preserve the craft and the culture of booze. We disguise that poison taste, we bury the red flag, we load booze up with sugar and colorings and botanicals, soda water and plenty of fresh lime. And don't get me wrong, I have all the world of respect for the brewers, the winemakers and the distillers. I will not deny the craft. I love the craft. But shouldn't we be wary of that term, brewing? These concoctions are not for daily use. Yet we've turned this potion making into much more than a craft and the consumption of these mood altering brews into an inextricable element of life. It's there in the highs and it's there in the lows. Hi, I'm Arielle Richards, producer of The Kicker and <laughs> who am I kidding? I'm sitting at my desk right now with a bottle of red wine right beside me. It's now a part of my lockdown routine. A few glasses of wine on most nights, either alone at my desk <laughs> or with somebody else. Right now, after a Sunday shift at work, a glass of wine just feels like the perfect missing puzzle piece to my safe space. I wouldn't feel right without a knockoff. If no booze, how me cope? And I know I'm not the only one. This week, reporters Sam Mills and Katie Johnson investigate patterns of drinking lockdown and they ask why is it that, when everything's going wrong, a glass of wine just feels so right. So, Katie. Yes, Sam. Tell me about Lockie. So I found Lockie by making a post in a Facebook residence group around where I live, asking if anyone had found themselves drinking more during lockdown. I got about 20, 25 replies, some people were drinking more, some people less, but ultimately I ended up interviewing Lockie. And why did he stand out to you? I think he stood out because he represented a group which wasn't really being spoken about in the alcohol discussion. He's 29, works as a social media manager, owns his own house, which he shares with his fiance and their two rescue rabbits, and he's surrounded by a lot of good friends and family for support. So by all definitions, I'd say he's a really successful young professional. So his routine hasn't been all that affected by COVID? Basically, he's been working from home for the last six months, like many of us have, and he's just been diligently obeying the rules, wearing a mask, playing PlayStation, watching Netflix, and that's about it. But he's been drinking more. A lot more. So before lockdown, he'd have a drink every now and then, and would sometimes indulge in a night out of drinking with his work colleagues. Some would probably say binge drinking. But overall, his drinking habits resembled that of most young professionals. 
yeah, during the week, you know, Monday to Friday, I really didn't have all that much. It was, you know, it was the occasional glass of wine or beer or something like that. So how did it shift? Well, for Lockie, it started with Zoom. You know, it was probably every every Friday night or every Thursday, Friday night, we would, you know, knock off at five o'clock like we normally would and have a drink on webcam and talk to each other and stuff like that. And everyone kind of got sick of being on webcam because it's, you know, it's, you're doing it all day, you're in meetings and stuff like that. And then you're sitting after work for two hours having a drink with everyone. And it kind of just got to the point where you stopped or where I stopped being on webcam and I just continued to drink, um, you know, after work and next thing I knew it was kind of having a drink almost every single night. How much is he drinking a night? Is it just one glass of wine? It varies and I think the biggest factor for him is stress. The interesting thing I found though was, and I don't know if anyone else is like this, but if I felt like if I'd been out during the day where I'd had to go to you know, go to Woolworths or Coles or pick some food up or something like that. Um, and I'm exposed to, you know, so many other people either not social distancing or not, you know, wearing the proper, you know, masks and stuff like that, that would kind of heighten my stress. And I would, you know, I'd come home and I would, um, I'd open up a bottle of wine and, you know, next thing I know, I'd finish off the bottle of wine. He also told me that it started to affect his shopping habits because he wanted to make sure he always had alcohol in the house. So the grocery store really didn't help those impulsive urges he had after a stressful day. You know, I would be going to, to Woolworths or Coles to do my grocery shopping and I'm buying, you know, bottles of wine, which I never normally would have done. That would it's just something I never really would have thought about, but it kind of became this, this habit of, all right, I'm buying, you know, regular, regular groceries, groceries like you would. Um, and I'm also buying a couple of bottles of wine just so as I know I have something there to drink for the week, basically. It sounds like for Lockie and for so many people, drinking is giving them that light at the end of the tunnel that the uncertainty of COVID can't provide. Where there's no pubs or clubs to blow off steam, drinking at home all alone, something that previously has had a negative connotation to it, has become the norm. Absolutely, and it's giving him that excitement and serotonin hit that we've all been missing during isolation. I think it kind of gives you gives you something to look forward to in a sense that like, you know, when, when we were all at work, you know, we're with our friends all the time and... Um, you didn't necessarily need to have a drink to have fun or anything like that, but it was always that, you know, you were looking forward to something after work and now it's like, well, there's nothing to look forward to really, which is pretty depressing. But based on the research you've looked into, Lockie's search for something to look forward to isn't even that unique. Statistics from the Alcohol and Drug Foundation of Australia say that one in eight Australians are drinking every day during lockdown to cope with stress, anxiety and boredom. We did find in one of the polls that we conducted that about 12% of respondents reported that they were drinking every day. It's a bit of a concern. Primarily what people were telling us is that the number one reason people reported for drinking more was that they just had more free time. People also talked about, you know, that increased stress and anxieties, also just boredom. That's Laura Bajerni from the Alcohol and Drug Foundation. And one interesting thing she mentioned was in their research, they've seen that drinking rates often spike during other times of trauma, like bushfires and terrorist attacks. But COVID is different to anything they've seen before because of the ongoing and dynamic nature of the virus. Other, other instances that we could look at, right, say uh, a terrorist attack or, you know, a, a massive hurricane, tends to be a point in time where a major event happens and then there's some sort of a resolution, right? You start picking up the pieces, putting your lives back together. Whereas COVID, it's been so protracted and so up and down. Um, you know, it is, it is quite unique. 
as an event. And really only time is going to tell us what the long-term impacts of 2020 um, are, are going to be. We know people are drinking more, but is it mainly younger or older people? What we found is that it's actually young people. So we're talking 18 to 34 year olds that have been the most likely to report that they're increasing uh, their drinking during lockdown. So that's more than middle-aged people, more than older people. It's really been that 18 to 34 year old demographic. I will say also um, a poll that we ran back in May that looked specifically at parents and found that about one in four parents had increased their drinking during lockdown. And in that poll, we found people um, really talking about that stress and anxiety and also specifically the challenges of, you know, doing homeschooling with their kids. So it sounds like we're relying on alcohol to get us through tough times. That's pretty Australian. That doesn't mean you can have all your mates around to home and get on the beers. Australians have a unique relationship with alcohol, so it's no surprise it's the go-to comfort when things are bad, because it's always at the forefront when things are good. But while our past is so inextricably linked to our consumption of alcohol, the future looks a little more unclear. Laura said that while statistics show young people are increasing their alcohol intake during the pandemic, overall they still don't drink as much as their parents and grandparents. It's interesting, we have seen a bit of a shift from what I think people traditionally expect to be the, the bigger drinkers, where now it is trending towards being those older demographics, whereas young people, you know, we've seen some pretty consistent reductions. So, I mean, who knows, maybe we'll wind up with a generation of, of younger people being really worried about the impact of their parents' drinking. So what will happen to consumption after lockdown? Will these younger people continue their drinking habits? I would assume there's going to be some pretty epic celebrations, um, but... The funny thing is, I've spoken to a lot of people and they're like, oh, you know, I would never take going out for granted ever again. And, you know, anytime someone wants to go out, you know, I'm going to say yes. And But on the flip side, I know for myself and a few other people as well, there's still that hesitation of being around people, you know, just in case. And he's also not sure how difficult it will be to break the habits he's formed over the last six months. I would like to think that I might be able to stop drinking as much now that we're not, you know locked in um but at the same time it's you know as you said as you quoted earlier that's that 66 days so you know if lockdown ended in two weeks would it then take me you know a couple or a few months to get out of this habit who knows really that's the kind of thing that concerns laura a little bit she thinks the routines and habits may stick one of our main concerns is is certainly if people have changed their drinking patterns during lockdown, you know, say you're starting to drink every day, those patterns can be difficult to change, um, you know, once that becomes part of your new routine and, and your regular habits. So I, I absolutely have some, um, some concerns about, you know, how we can best support those Australians who might find that they have been drinking more um, to not let that be a, a persistent habit, you know, that continues after lockdown ends. So what can we do to ensure that these habits don't continue and become a future health epidemic? While Laura was really strong on better regulating alcohol advertising, you literally see it everywhere and while it might be tough to do, smoking advertising was successfully phased out in Australia in the past. The alcohol industry has absolutely seized the opportunity to leverage the pandemic. Um, with its advertising and specifically with advertising um, that speaks to the pandemic, you know, whether that's spruiking your particular brand of liquor as a way to stay in touch with people when we're separate, or it's these sorts of gimmicky ideas about, oh, bring, bring the pub home to your living room. You know, they have absolutely seized the opportunity there. And the issue with advertising too is that, I mean, we know it works. We know advertising works. 
A hard-earned thirst needs a big cold beer. And the best cold beer is Vic. Victoria Bitter. In our most recent poll, especially among that younger demographic, right, those 18 to 34-year-olds, a number of them reported that their consumption was influenced by the advertising that they saw. When it comes to social media too, people are being exposed to advertising younger and younger and the marketing tactics need to be analysed. Especially when you consider that you can have a TikTok account or an Instagram account at 13, we really need to be considering how we're protecting young people from being exposed to alcohol advertising. And it is quite a complex space as well when you start to think about uh, the role of influencers, for example, or how do we draw the line between sort of traditional advertising that's created by a company or an industry and what might be called user-generated content. So content that's created by an individual engaging with that brand online. Laura said that the Alcohol and Drug Foundation are running their own Break the Habit campaign, and that's to combat the opportunism of the big liquor companies who have increased their advertising by 350% during lockdown. Yeah, Lockie mentioned that was one of the only alcohol advertisements he'd seen. The thing I have been seeing, though, is there's a, there's a TV ad or a TV commercial going at the moment, and it's talking about, you know, the levels of alcohol intake during, during these times and it references, like, people's, um, you know, new habits and that a little bit goes a long way in terms of, like, you may have not had a habit, but now these little drinks you're having every night could turn into a bigger habit. So after seeing the campaign and recognising the damage that habitual drinking can do to a person, how does Lockie feel about drinking? Well, he's certainly not enjoying it as much as he did at the start, and it's actually become a bit of a burden for him. It, it kind of, you know, just got to being a chore um, that I would have that glass of wine or that, that beer or that, that bottle of wine after I finished work, and it was no longer a celebration for finishing the day. It was no longer a celebration that, you know, the week's over or, you know, no longer spending time with friends on webcam talking and stuff like that. It's just kind of like, all right, my day's finished. I'll grab this bottle of wine, I'll finish it off, and then I'll go about what I do for the rest of the night, which is, you know, watching Netflix or, you know, playing PlayStation or, you know, hanging with my partner or something like that. After talking to him for a while, I think Lockie's perspective on drinking is one that many young people have. He knows it's bad for him, he knows he's forming a habit, and I think he has the self-awareness to nip it in the bud. And that's a trend we've seen across the board with young people in Australia. Surveys are showing that one in five people wish they'd drunk less during lockdown. And registrations to Hello Sunday Morning, which is an app which helps people quit drinking, they've doubled. So despite the spike we're seeing in consumption right now, I think it's fair to say that overall, our relationship with alcohol is getting better as a nation. Exactly. This is just a blip in the overall trend. And I think as long as we keep that attitude that this is just a moment in time that will pass, we'll be back on track in no time. Seriously, you'll look at it and you'll be like, oh, geez, I really can't be bothered today. Like, this sucks. Like, I'm so sick of working from home. I just want to see my friends. I just want to see my family. Um, and then you're like, oh, hold on a second. Like, I'm, you know, I'm waking up um, to, you know, a property I'm still living in. I still have my job. I still have my health. I still have all of this stuff that there's so many other people don't have. I'm not, yeah. I was like, should I be feeling sad? And then you go through that guilt trip. Like, you know, I feel, I feel guilty for feeling sad. I feel guilty for feeling depressed. And then it's like, oh, I'm going to have a drink. <laughs> Thanks to our vivacious reporters, Sam Mills and Katie Johnson. The Kicker is produced by Marco Holden-Jeffrey and myself, Arielle Richards. 
Many thanks to our executive producer, Janak Rogers. Join us next Monday for an extra special murder mystery edition of The Kicker, just in time for spooky season. It's brought to you by reporters Jake Pike and Carissa Bosanakis. We're on Instagram at thekicker.pod and Twitter at kickerpod, where you'll find episode previews and all of our secrets. Please like, share and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and Spotify. And leave us a rating and review if you like what you hear. As always, thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next week. Sponsored by The Student Doll, music by Jack Jevons. This podcast was recorded, mixed and produced on the stolen lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. Sovereignty was never ceded.